Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of If We Can Just Say. I am your host Jessica Carter Ogle and he's just Steven. Hey everybody. How are we doing? Good. How are you? Ah, oh, man. It's uh it's been a it's been a week. I know. It's been a week. It's not Sunday, is it? No, we are recording on a Monday because we had a staycation. Yes. And took some days off which uh, were much needed in this household. They were. We were off five consecutive days including the weekend thursday friday saturday sunday and today yep it was lovely i prefer it <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the alternative hey you know in switzerland they're implementing a uh, four-day work week i know but that's so, gonna be like 10 hours a day right i yeah, mean i would do it something like that and they're trying to implement that in the uk which in the uk they already have uh stipulations that they can only work 36 hours a week so imagine if it's only four days and 36 hours imagine we're living in a country that cared about you as an employee that would be crazy i mean it's a fascinating concept I yeah don't, i don't know weird. unless we move to another country I've, I've never experienced that i've talked about it as long as we can figure out the dog transfer situation yeah i mean we we could do that i i, I follow some people on youtube that moved to italy and yeah. they moved their dogs with them you know they just didn't see their dogs for about 12 hours during transit and, and all that a kind villa. of stuff yeah we don't speak the language i don't know yeah but i've I don't know. I've never had a bad experiencing a bad experience traveling um, internationally where I didn't speak the language. I spent time in Paris, uh, Germany, Austria, and everyone was just lovely. I, everyone says people in France hate Americans. I must not have met those people. I, I but I think Americans probably suck too over there. I like look at Hawaii. Nah. I mean, yeah. Um, I I would be more nervous for Soph. Yeah, because uh, being that long not in, in with foreign people, I mean, she. I, I'd I, want her to be knocked out, to be honest. I like. I know we give her the drugs for whatever. Yeah, but, but like, I'd prefer for her to her be out. like legit sedated, like needle sedation. Yeah, because otherwise, I I don't know how she would do. I, My anxiety would be through the freaking roof on the plane. Yeah. I would have to be sedated as well. <laughs> we could both be sedated in a little compartment together. <laughs> I feel like both have muzzles on. I feel like it's probably the best bet. <laughs> Give you both muzzles and eye eye uh, eye patches to cover up your we'll eyes and sedate fine. you together. Throw you in a Sons kennel together, and I'll just you know I'll, I would I'll, travel. I'll, I'll sit on the flight and just drink my uh, you know drink my whiskey and I'll be good. <laughs> it's fine. We'll both have hangovers from different things when we get there. Uh, but That's nonetheless, hilarious. the staycation has been lovely. Like yes. the goal of this, I don't know if you guys do staycations. We've been made fun of before, but like the balance of staycation and vacation, thinking about next month's honeymoon, a week long road trip along the West Coast yeah. is going to be amazing, but it also sounds really busy. And so the um, balance of having this staycation as like a preparation for that is really nice. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've got to have the balance. I can't just have every vacation be, oh, we're going somewhere because I can't do it. And we like relaxed. Like I yeah. felt like Thursday morning I woke up and I went outside and I sat with my coffee and I was like, oh, this is so nice. And it's a bummer that today is Monday, but I enjoyed it. Like ever since I, you know, had my my struggle, my everything, I've been trying to be more present. I've been trying to be more purposeful and in the moment and stopping myself when my brain fast forwards to something it doesn't need to be at at the time. Yeah. So I feel like I've done a good job. Like I think it was our 4th of July weekend that I think I did a really good job in this and like to the point where it's like 
normal now. Like I still like to do things. Don't get me wrong. Like we worked out, we did some stuff like we'll talk about, but I'm not somebody who likes to just sit. So like I like to get up and do little things here and there. That to me is relaxing Yeah, to have the time to do that and not feel rushed to do it. For sure. Uh, so what did, what did we get into on uh, on our staycation? So I saw a post. So we always see posts on Instagram of like, there's this donut shop downtown we both want to try and we've never gone to, but we send posts back and forth and little things like that. And I saw this place, uh, ice cream shop in Redford called Dairy Whip that had Fago Rock and Rye um, vegan soft serve. Now, if any of you guys from Michigan are aware, Fago is like our jam. Fago yep. products, um, Fago Cola, Red Pop, Grape, all that jazz. Rock and Rye is like the big one. So I always love Rock and Rye. Like there's other places around. You can go to Vincenta Garage and they have like Nitro Rock and Rye ice cream. And there's places that do a lot of stuff with Rock and Rye. But I saw this and I was like, I sent it to Steven and he's like, well, let's go. And I'm like, we should go to more of these things that we send each other. So we went and I got the, um, it's only through today or yesterday. Today, yeah. I think. Uh, yesterday yesterday it ended on on sunday um but it's uh i got the rock and rye twist so rock and rye vanilla twist oh my gosh a small and a cone i'm telling you that looked more like a large mm. i would say but i the girl i'm an ice cream eater as steven has said so the girl gave me it and i was like that's a small and she's like do you need a cup like i guess people are putting it in like cups too and i said oh no i can handle it but i'm just gonna need a napkin <laughs> yeah it was delicious. So I think they do a lot of like different flavors and stuff. I started following them on Instagram to kind of check it out. But Dairy Whip, very nice, very fast. There was a crowd. Yep. We got there on Friday, probably about three o'clock, maybe. It had just started raining. So as yeah, as I've told you guys recently, I've been back and forth with migraines this season. A lot to do with the um, air quality. And I swear every time the sky goes gray, I get a migraine. So I was okay, slight headache on the way to it, on the way home, like the migraine like knocked me over and the nausea like hit me because mm. the sky, the storm came, the clouds turned gray, all the pressure in the atmosphere. It's so weird. It's like I turn on a dime. I can't stand it. So Friday night, you know, I was struggling with my migraine, but when we got there, it was packed. There was probably eight people in line in front of us. There was about five people sitting at tables eating. And this is like a three o'clock on a Friday afternoon. So yeah, it was. It and was every busy for I sure. would say ninety percent of the people had rock and rye. I got the Cookie Monster, which had uh, bits of Oreo and chocolate chip cookie in it, but it was blue. Blue Moon ice cream. Blue Moon ice cream, and then uh, they put two candy eyes on it and a cookie in there. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of cool. So it's right up Stephen's alley. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was uh, the cookie was a game changer, man. But I'm like, oh, we'll have to go here more often. Yeah. So was that good, was fun. It was good. And it was like a big amount. I was like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is a small. It felt like a medium. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to eat so all this. So we go to the Dairy King a lot in Plymouth and their small cone is like a small cone and their small dairy, their small like bl blizzard or whatever they call it, flurry is a small. These were definitely bigger. So yeah, and we got our money's worth. Yep. Speaking of eating things, Sophia oh, has boy. had a stomach ache for like the past three nights or the past three days last night was the first night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. She woke up during the night sick, not throwing up, but diarrhea, 
poor little girl. Yep. So our whole staycation, we've been alternating getting up and taking her out in the middle of the night in the a.m., which has been very frustrating because we're on a staycation and neither one of us have slept entirely through the night until last night. Yeah. She didn't wake us up finally because we finally like figured, like got her on some better food, like not better food, but like. Did, did a little bit of Googling, got her some chicken rice. Yeah, she's sort just of been mix. eating chicken and rice the last couple of days. Yeah. But we have found that we have mushrooms in the yard. And yeah. Stephen texted me one day at work. I guess it was, it was my last day at work, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. And said she threw up a mushroom. So now we're like searching the yard. We have a tree in the yard that we've seen little mushrooms grow at, and we always get them. But there's like another patch now. And I don't know... If it's the weather, the rain, we've been having inconsistent rain, but when it does rain, it like pours to where your grass grows overnight. We've had a lot of rain this year. But not like con- not like consistent normal summertime rain. They've been like huge storms of rain. Yeah, it's always been like we got a thunderstorm, severe thunderstorm. Yeah. It's not like, oh, it's going to drizzle today. It's yeah. like, no, uh, it's, you might lose power. It's been so weird. And that Great. coupled with like the... Um, fires in canada which we haven't had any you know weather alerts lately or air quality alerts lately because of that which is good or air quality alerts in general but it's been crazy so this poor little girl has been i mean you wouldn't know by her personality no but you would know when you take her for a walk and she goes to the bathroom (laughs) yeah we took her for a walk this morning we have a neighbor down the block that's like a dog lover and has two dogs herself yes we call them the tumblers you guys have probably heard us talk about them she's the one that i overheard the information from about dte shutting down our power grid not us losing the power and we were walking today i know she wants to pet soph but i'm just super neurotic about that but she came kind of running across the street and she gave her a toy she's like pet smart or pet supplies had all these toys for like 60 percent off and she brought (laughs) soph a little llama which is so funny because we all know i love llamas and so we're walking home with that and Soph caught her eye on it as we were going in the house so she's exhausted from her walk but not too exhausted to rip open the llama yep she's already destroyed it took you know a few minutes so So. that was sweet crush kill destroy that's her favorite favorite thing to do she's happy like people don't get it like so what if she destroys it she's happy that's the point costs a few bucks and you give your dog joy like i will never ever try to figure out how much money i spend on sophia oh my god but she's my baby like can't imagine she's my She's my kid. I want her to have good stuff. I want her to have fun. I want her to, I want to keep her engaged, whether it be the hard chew antler toys, the rip apart toys, playing with her, letting her sleep. Like the dogs live longer when they are engaged, when they are active, when they're using their brain, when they're playing with you. Like you play a lot of games with her and she's got to be on the ready and you guys play and you're knocking stuff. You know, like it's just, and you've got your little treat thing that you guys do at the end. Like all that stuff stimulates her brain. Yep. Yep. So, uh, sp- speaking of eating things and stimulating uh, one's brain, <laughs> <laughs> we went to uh, see the Meg Two, the Trench. Meg Two, the Trench. Uh, we'll review that on a later podcast, but we saw that on Sunday morning. We'll review that along with Meg One, which we saw recently. He had seen it already, but I saw it. Yeah. I will tell you though, um, as far as like just like a fun popcorn film goes, I would recommend it. And if you liked Meg One. I think you would like Meg 2 better. Yeah. And it's got more Statham, like action-packed karate chops. Yeah. But we'll we'll give that an yeah. in-depth review at a, on a later date. Yeah. What else do we uh, do? Oh, we had that the last big storm we were talking about. Apparently, I don't know 
struck the middle of our like tree bush on the side of our house. It did something, man. Cause like it, right it, in the middle, and the it like spread out. Yeah, it it just it almost destroyed our bush pretty much. We had yeah. to cut a bunch of it off because it was off into our neighbor's yard over the property line. So so yeah, we did that, that was, right that before more rain hit. So that was cool. But other than that, like R and R, which was needed and very enjoyed. And uh, to uh, since we buried the lead a little bit, uh, yeah. we started with two concerts back to back: Thursday yes. night, Friday night, Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Sorry, uh, Wednesday we went to Pine Knob and saw Godsmack. Yeah, woo! Um, I've been a Godsmack fan since Godsmack existed. I've seen them in concert a million times. I have not seen them in years, and I was jazzed. So I've never seen them, and I have been a fan since their very first album uh, in 1999 or 98. Eight. 98. Yeah. Um, so I was very excited to see them. Uh, they had Mixmaster Mike from Beastie Boys was their opener, which was very cool because it, it was loud. It was the loudest, loudest, could be. the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. But it was cool. Like Mixed Master Mike yeah. is great. Like I he, just had to acclimate to it because yeah. we had just walked in as it was happening, as it started, because it took us almost an hour and a half to get to Pine Knob, which should take us just under an hour. Yeah. Um, I just had to acclimate. I was like tensing to the sound. So Mixed Master Mike uh, is a legit DJ. He uses the records. He does the skipping. He does the he fading and all that kind of stuff. Like he does old school DJ stuff. Like he's that he's that guy. So it was very cool to see a DJ doing 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 his thing. It was cool to see a DJ like open. Like I had not really. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of a cool thing to get the party started. Well, if you continue it. I wish he had been the only opener. Same. Be- because the next band was stained, and. It's I, been a while since I saw a concert so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stained was god-awful. Yeah. Um, I apologize to, if they're listening, I'm sorry, guys, but you were awful. And the main reason that they were awful is Aaron Lewis, their lead singer, didn't speak to the crowd until after the fifth song. And yeah. here's the thing of what he did in between songs. They shut the lights off on the stage, and he turned his back on the crowd and walked to the drum set and had a drink out of his beer and a puff off of his cigarette. It was the weirdest thing. And he didn't talk to the crowd. And then after the fifth song, which, by the way, the first song was an upbeat song. Then they did four songs that were slow-as-hell ballads. And then after the fifth song, he walked up, and he's like, oh, man, he's like, I forgot to say hi to you guys. And then, and then he said, oh, "I have ADD." He's like, "Yeah, that's I have... why I forgot." This song will help explain it. Yeah, and then he did an acoustic song that I swear to you took ten minutes. I, like they longest didn't... song I've ever heard live in my life, and I hated every second. They of it. didn't sound bad, but just the overall performance was awful. I just thought he sounded. He just seemed like such a douchebag. I I. When and I've the, seen them before, and I don't recall this experience. When when they got to It's Been a While, I went to the bathroom. Because I was like, all right, we're close to the end. I'm getting, I'm going to go to the bathroom, yeah. so I don't have to go to the bathroom during Godsmack. So they played that song, and then their last song was Mud Shovel. I, I, that is the only song going into the concert that I cared about hearing, because I have Mud Shovel. It's the only Stain song I have. I've heard tons of their albums. I've listened to tons of their music. It, it's never really been my thing, but like I haven't like been like, oh, I hate Stained. Yeah. But 
this ex- concert experience, by the time they got to Mud Shovel, I was just like, get off the stage. I don't even want to hear this song. Just and, get off the I stage. And I will say, like, we were not the majority. Like, people were cheering for them. The two girls behind us were, like, losing their absolute minds. They left after him. Yeah, they didn't even stick around for God's Which mind. was mind-blowing to me. Like, I don't think... I think the last time I saw Stained, they were with Godsmack, but this, it didn't keep the same beat. Like, it just didn't, you got the Mixmaster Mike vibe, the Stained vibe, and then Godsmack blows onto the stage, and it's like, Stained just didn't fit. Not at all. I saw, one of the best Godsmack concerts I saw was Godsmack and Rob Zombie, and Rob Zombie is touring with Alice Cooper this year, and I was like, oh, I wish we could have kicked off Stained and popped in Rob Zombie, because that would have been a hell of a concert. Yeah. Um, But Godsmack was fantastic. Sully never disappoints. Sully, like, so back in the day, Sully would always be barefoot and, like, shirtless at some point. This was not the case this time. He did wear shoes and a shirt, but I understand. He he was talking about being 55 years old up there, and I'm like, well, if this makes him. Yeah. He talked about being um, obsessed with, like, infomercials and getting Cindy Crawford's youthful essence. So I'm like, <laughs> well, he must be more comfortable with his shirt on these days. Yeah. Um, but he was interactive with the crowd immediately. Always. He always is. He is, like, it he's, like, one second away from just crowd surfing, I always feel like. Yeah, it was good. They did he they did the two drum sets thing where he plays drums. If, uh, for those of you that don't know, he plays drums. He plays piano. He plays guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could play bass, but he didn't do it in this show. But man, this dude is phenomenal. And it was the twenty fifth anniversary of Godsmack. Like, so they had a big sign that said "Thank you for twenty five years" to all the fans, and yeah. they had all their albums up. They were amazing. The pyrotechnics were amazing fire and fireworks and confetti like it the light show like they were on like if this is their farewell tour then they they killed it yeah they uh sully had said in an interview while they were making this album or had just finished it but it wasn't out yet uh he said that this would be the last tour they did for an album so um i mean that could change obviously but that's surprising. But also he said that he, he would like to do like a hits tour. He's like, because we could play everybody's favorite song. We could play two shows in the same city back to back nights I'm and not play the same song. I'm in for both nights. We'll get a hotel. Yeah. So. Um, and they the thing I like about Godsmack is they're consistent. Like all their, their sound is still Godsmack from their first album to their yeah. last album. Things grow and change and evolve, but they are still Godsmack. You hear it and you know that is Sully rocking out. You like their lyrics. You like their song. Like if you guys ever have a chance to see Godsmack, I say do it. They're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They were a I'm, good time. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know when they toured last or why I missed the last few or, you know, life changes and stuff, but I'm back in it. So. And then on Thursday night, we saw Darius Rucker. And his opener was Drew Holcomb and the Neighbor Neighbors. So a complete one eighty of musical yep. music. Um and we saw that we went to Freedom Hill for that, which is if anyone lives around here or knows it, Freedom Hill is a Pine Knob is our big outdoor venue. Yes. In the Detroit area. Um and Freedom Hill is probably a smaller scale. But I love Freedom Hill. Freedom Hill's a lot smaller, but it just has it's just very like free and easy vibe to it. Like it's better. They, yeah. They might I don't know, I think I don't know if they have screens for the lawn or not, but yeah, I know do. that if you're in the pavilion, they have once if the band brings a screen, yeah. it's a, that's but the only way. But you don't need it because you can see from every seat. Yeah. 
But like when we saw Marion Morris, she didn't have any extra screens no. with her. Darius had one behind him because he always brings one so that he could put lyrics up on the screen and just for people other to, like for people pictures to sing along and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But Drew Holcomb and the neighbors we had never heard of before. When we walked up to check the merch out before we left, he had a shirt I really liked. And I'm like, oh, if this guy's half as good as this shirt, then I think we're going to be in business. And he was great. Apparently, he's been touring for 20 years. And he said they've got their first number one single now. I don't know any. I didn't know one song he sang, but I liked about all of them. Yeah. And then I got that shirt that I really liked. And then I put him on yesterday morning as we were like doing stuff and I really enjoyed it. He's got Drew Holcomb and the neighbors. And then he's also got stuff with his wife, Ellie. So Drew and Ellie Holcomb and they've got good, good stuff too. I guess during the holidays, they do like a Christmas show in Nashville. And I'm like, man, I'd love to go to that. Yeah. Their first album with the neighbors was a Christmas album. It's a full uh, 10 or 11 track. And that's my roster this year. Yeah, for sure. But they had a great sound. For Uh, sure. I loved it. They had a guitar player that played steel guitar and regular guitar and mandolin at one point, I think. I thought it was a banjo. Mandolin or banjo. One of the two. He had a banjo. Yeah. Because you said to me, Yeah, because that was the thing that was cool about both them and Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker's got a guy that plays mandolin, banjo, guitar, dobro, fiddle. He plays everything. It's fantastic. I don't know. I don't remember the guy's name, but he plays like five or six different instruments throughout the show. And I was like, oh, like we saw him last year. Yeah. And I was just like, man, how many instruments does this guy play? And man, he's so The thing about a Darius Rucker show, I will say it's fun. Yes. And Darius Rucker is having a blast up there. Like, yeah. he, you can just tell he's having fun and enjoying himself. And when we saw him last, we, I remember we told you guys he played, like, a medley of, like, Sinatra-esque stuff. And, like, this time he did, like, 90s. Yeah, he said this year it was the summer of the 90s. Yeah. He did 19 of his own songs, with three of those being Hootie and the Blowfish songs. And then he still had time. He did like four covers. He did Poison. He did Valerie. He did, I don't remember what else. What's a Tim McGraw song he did? Oh, I don't know. I like it. I love it. I I want some more of it. I'm not positive that's Tim McGraw. Is that not Tim McGraw? I didn't know for sure. I can't, I don't. I don't remember. But he did water don't go chasing waterfalls yes. by TLC. Which I do was not hilarious. like that song. I have never liked that song. He did little pink houses. Yes. Little pink houses. I was belting out and I felt like I was the only one. He like <laughs> told everyone to like sing and I'm like belting out and I'm like, no one in like a ten person radius knows the words apparently. That's a darn shame. He also did no diggity towards the end, yes. which was great. Yes. He was like, We do this song. He's like, Cause I want to do it. Not because my band wants to do it, but we do it because I want to do it. It's my favorite cover to do. And then they turned around and... Yes. It was great. Um, Oh, it is Tim McGraw. I was right. Man, I'm good. That's what I said first. I said Tim McGraw. But anyways, uh, great show, though. Fantastic. See Darius Rucker. He is fantastic. Oh, yeah. He'll be like our one that we always see no matter what. He's got all his songs are like hits. Like, it's fun. He closed off with Wagon Wheel, which was great. And like, yeah, like I told my mom, like, we'll let him know next year because I know she'd like to see him. And I don't know if he's going to when he's going to tour next, but his album comes out in October. October. So I would assume, I mean, that second leg of the tour, they'll get that full album will be out for them to listen to, but I don't know if he's going to tour again next year fully. I don't know. Which he's already got 
two of the songs were already sorry three of the songs off the new album three out of 14 were already singles that he's released over the last year and then when he released the pre-order for the album and obviously the pre-order everything goes to streaming so he's got six total songs out of 14 that are up now to stream off the new album and yeah. there's some good songs man yeah one is a rihanna cover from a song she did for wakanda forever yeah lift me up so. yeah which is um, like one of the best parts of wakanda forever is is that song because <laughs> it's it's towards the end of the yeah. movie I was just uh, glad it was toward the end. <laughs> I'm just saying it's only yeah. one of the only redeeming things about the movie was the soundtrack. But yeah, awesome um, concerts. So we yeah, had a, I mean, time. overall, we had a great staycation, and it's not done yet. We still have but half a day left. Yep. So, so real quick, uh, for those of you that pay attention, we, we do updates on the writer's strike. I just have one small thing this week, and that is that Marvel's visual effects studio workers – have formed a union. And they, now I didn't realize it was just Marvel. Yes. They I didn't know. They are they were the one of the only sections in Marvel Studios that was not unionized. So, and with, so they unionized and as far as I can tell, went on strike. So are these the people so when Secret Invasion came out and everyone was up in arms about the way Marvel took that intro, the design of that intro and didn't give credit or um, monetary compensation to the people who actually created it. Would that fall into this? Would that have been a visual effect, or do you not know? I do not know. I know that um, the thing is is that the this particular section of Marvel, they're known for doing uh, visual effects for the post-credit scenes and stuff okay. like that. Gotcha. Um, Which is huge. People yeah. stick around just for that, even with not an extra scene. Although Marvel always has an extra scene, like those movies aren't long enough. Yeah, so some of them created uh, space scenes and Wakanda visuals. Like they're, I mean, they're legit. Okay, they're legit. The sp special effects folks for Marvel, but it's a small section of people. And I got an article from Wired. It's titled, Marvel's Visual Effects Workers Have Moved to Unionize, and it's a huge deal for Hollywood. Artists in the visual effects industry have been talking about unionize for more than a decade. So they've been working on this for a while, and when the writers and actors went on strike, you know, it took it took almost 100 days, but they, they unionized and went, all right, yeah, yeah, we're doing this because we deserve to be paid as well. We, we don't. We, we deserve a living wage just like everybody else, and, and good for them. I'm, I'm happy that they have done this and i hope it works out good for them what will be interesting is is if the writers and the actors get their deal first and then we have marvel studios has visual effects people that are on strike and they can't finish movies i feel like they have to do it all i feel <laughs> yeah, like it's got to be an all or nothing yeah i did see something billy porter um who is an actor yeah put a post that he was going to have to sell his house because of the strike and he um he's like i haven't made a few money yet so i can't keep my house but he also you know you could easily start to get frustrated and put your blame at your fellow actors and stuff but he didn't he's like he's like I haven't talked much about this because I didn't think saying F you Bob Iger was super constructive he said but this is happening to me now and this is because of the greed of the CEOs and he's right and if you guys recall me talking last time about Stephen Amell who used to be Green Arrow and is in the show Heels was you know complaining about 
how, you know, he didn't want to do the strike and he wants to, you know, support his show and everything. And it's like, no kidding. So does everybody, Steven. He was on the picket line this last weekend, too. And everyone's like, oh, your PR team was working overtime to get you out there because you don't you don't get to be a part of SAG and a part of all of that and then complain about. Yep. You don't you just don't get to do that. And we saw two the biggest I would say probably the biggest name that we've seen out there, Richard Gere. Richard Gere was out there, the entire cast of Parks and Rec. Yeah. Uh, except not for Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Chris Pratt put up that he was unable to be there because he's actually not, I guess he wasn't in town or something. He was off somewhere else, and he was like, I'm unable to be there. He's like, but I stand in support with all my colleagues that all formed together. To, to I checked to, to the comments to, because I expected people to be ripping him to shreds because people like suppo- like hate him for some reason. Which I will never understand. And I didn't see anything, so I was glad. Yeah, I mean, like... I but I was like, oh, Chris Pratt, you're putting yourself out there again to get ridiculed by the masses People, who hate you because you go to church. They hate him because... And you don't... And they're too up in your business with your kids, and they act like... Like, that's a whole thing. Like It's a whole thing with that. The uh, The third thing with him is the fact that he's married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter, so yes. there's a ton of people that go after him for that. Like, leave the man alone. Yeah, like, come on. I don't on. know. I've never heard of anything sense. bad he's ever done, to be honest, so... But I don't know any of these people, so... Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so... So, uh, we got time. Do we got time for some album anniversaries yes, before we, we hit do. our big topic today? Of course. How could we not do album anniversaries? How could we not? So, album anniversaries this week, we have a few. I'm going to try to blaze through these if I can, but, uh, you know, there's some good ones. So, there's some, some we're talking about. Uh, first up, first off the docket uh, from 2005, the fourth album by Brad Paisley, Time Well Wasted, mm. which is a fantastic fantastic you, you album. love the paisley i love brad paisley i think brad paisley i he's the guy that i would love to see tour i i, I will probably never see him live he's unless great. we win the lottery and fly to go see him somewhere in california or something because well, he doesn't california, tour anymore really? well i know that our big like our next travel or i don't know how we're gonna do it but i we gotta see i want to see jason isbell at the ryman yeah yeah, that's a goal. He's he's and there every year because he's from Nashville. Tennessee. So I, I would I think it'd be cool for us. We'd have to plan a trip without Soph. Yeah. If we did like a your mom thing too, <laughs> your mom. Yeah. <laughs> like a your mom joke on accident. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, time well wasted has his alcohol song and uh, waiting on a woman. A fantastic. Album. In our house, right. it's waiting on a man. Oh boy. Just Anyways, for everyone who is curious. So for those of you big Lebowski fans or just straight up Jeff Bridges fans. He released an album titled Jeff Bridges in 2011. It was done, uh, produced, and helped written by his friend T-Bone Burnett, who's won tons of Grammys for movie soundtracks and and the like. Uh, One particular movie that they worked on together and did the songs for was Crazy Heart with Ryan Bingham as well. So Jeff Bridges and T-Bone Burnett went in the studio and they made a full album. And if you like old school kind of... Just regular rock and roll that, uh, you know, sounds like it could be, you know, you could walk into a bar and hear some, you know, just good rock and roll that you never, you don't know that's not cover music. Um, it's a good album. Just easy playing, easy listening, rock and roll music. And it's a dude, so how can you go wrong with right. a dude? I hope he wore his jelly shoes while he's saying it. <laughs> uh, staying in the vein of, uh, of of a bit of country is Junior Brown's Long Walk Back from 1998. How many albums does this dude have? Dude, he's got a bunch. I, I love me some Junior Brown. Even. Junior Brown, uh, if Tay's listening, buddy, 
thanks again for introducing me to Junior Brown because, man, Junior Brown's good stuff. So 1998, on the same day as Junior Brown released Long Walk Back, the band Korn released Follow the Leader with the hit song Freak on a Leash. Yeah. And that song was everywhere. I remember, I think I was a junior. What year? 1998. Yeah. I was a senior. I was a junior. So man, I, I, li- I re-listened to this album this week, and that album is much heavier than I remember. Much heavier lyrical content. Like, I wanted to listen I, to it again. I didn't get to it. Man, it's been a long time since I listened to that album. I've listened to Freak on a Leash and... <laughs> All in the Family, Got the Life, Children of the Corn. Like, it's got some good songs on it, but the lyrical content is heavy, man. Yeah. They don't mess around. They talk about a lot of heavy mental health topics, such as, you know, uh, you know depression and suicide and yeah. stuff like that. And in 1998, I guess I didn't pay that much attention to it. But, man, today, or listening to it this week, I heard it, and I was like, wow. Get a uh, little more life under your belt, and things sound a little different. Yep. Going back to country, our boy Dirks Bentley from 2003 released his his uh, first album, which yeah. that's just as just I as love Dirks Bentley. Yeah, we got um, well, it, what was I thinking? The little white tank top song. Yep, yep. I love that. I love Dirks Bentley. I think he is an artist that has a really great sound evolution. Like talking about how Godsmack, all their sound is consistent. They are in the type of genre where their sound can be consistent. I think in country, you have to grow, especially if you came out. What year did this album come out? 2003. Yeah. So that's like a while ago in terms of sound and stuff. Looking at like Taylor Swift, she came out super poppy in what she's grown into. Dirk Bentley came out very like country, very like fun. I think his his stuff has gained a lot of like soul and like purposeful lyrics as he's evolved yeah. as an artist. So like... Dirk Bentley to um, Gravel and Gold. I like them both, but what a journey and what a like change in sound, but in a good way. Yeah, and also an evolution of of the country music yes, genre 100%. As, as a whole. Yes. Like he doesn't go down the route of pop country, but he has really involved singer songwriter a lot in his last yeah. three albums, big time. I I think that we like more of a southern rock country, like a Brothers Osborne, and like a singer songwriter country. Yeah. So less less pop country for us. Yeah, and Dirk Bentley has definitely moved more away from pop country and more towards singer songwriter, yeah. I think, which is good. Yeah, so, for sure. And he's just he's just fun. Man. Yeah, and he was great live. We talked about that. But. Yeah. Um, nineteen ninety one. Pocket Full of Kryptonite by the Spin Doctors. Oh, I did listen to that bad boy. Oh, that was great. So my dad loved, I loved I, I Little loved, Miss, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. My dad loved that song. I um, remember that back in the day when you would like wait in line for concert tickets outside of like the Harmony House or whatever, and you'd like sleep overnight or you'd wait. Yeah. There was like one in Plymouth here and we waited overnight. I don't remember the concert tickets that we were waiting for, but I know it was at like a Harmony House. And while waiting, I bought the Spin Doctors CD. Really? That's more memorable to me than whatever I was getting concert tickets for was buying the Spin Doctors CD. That's... I love, I loved, I just was so proud to know every word to the song and like just <laughs> it's like me with my harvey danger flagpole sita like yes i know them all that's funny uh i gotta find the lyric i should have pulled this up before we started there's a lyric in here 
Um, in Little Miss Can't Be Wrong? Yeah. I got to find it real quick. Where is it at? I like that whole album. Like, it's it's great. My dad always liked the line, I hope them, cigar- hope them cigarettes are going to make you cough. Hope you hear this song and it pissed you off. My dad loved yeah. that line. Thought it was funny. I take that back. I hope you're doing fine. If I had a dollar, I might give you 99. 99. My dad loved their lyrics. Yeah. Like he thought clever. they were clever songwriters. Um, so every time that song came on, he, he, he'd turn the dial up to listen to it. That and Two Princes. Yeah, Two Princes was great. That was my jam, man. Like I, I was working yeah. out um, today or this week. I think the day we did not work out together, which was Wednesday. Yeah. I think I put on uh, this CD and or the CD. Oh my God. Dating myself. Um, I put it on in my Apple music and I was working out by myself in there. I'm pumping my weights and I'm like, Oh, one, two, Prince. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Um, next up on the list is a band that had two albums before this, but this was their first big album that put them on the market, which is blindside an album called silence. They had a song called, uh, pitiful that was huge on the radio sleepwalking is man i thought this was like one of your bands that wasn't on the radio oh no this band was on the radio like they were on uh pod's record label and would this have been like an 89x band yeah they would have been on 89x 2002 they man they're fantastic the music video for pitiful is so cool because they're in this they're on this stage but it's a box that keeps flipping around on them and you figure out that it's a kid Who's playing with a like a kid playing in a sandbox oh. with a with a, with a, with one of those uh, boxes that's got numbers on it or whatever uh, or not, letters on it? Sorry, you know what you had when you were a kid the blocks that had letters on yeah. them. Yeah, if I, you find oh, out yeah, yeah. you find out in the music video that they're inside the block and the kids just throw it in a sandbox and that's why they keep getting tossed around and stuff. Funny story about those blocks, those wooden ones. They don't sell a lot of those wooden ones in a lot of places. And I was at like a mercantile shop with my mom once, and they had some, and I had her buy them for me for my future child. Because I wanted them. Wow. And I don't have a child. No. And I don't know where those blocks are, if they even still exist. Wow. That's just a funny little memory I thought of. That's funny. Next up on the list from 2001, first album by a one sugar cult, Start Static. I don't even know if I fully listened to this album back in the day. I obviously knew Bouncing Off the Walls. I li- existed in the world. But I was listening to Sugar Cult this week fabulous like i was like oh I, hope, I wish they would tour for this album how people are touring for albums how that's the thing now yeah and not your new album but like your 20th anniversary of an album yep it was so great i love this sugar album cult. is so great i forgot that i liked sugar call I, I was like blown away list of bands from the radio that i've never seen live that i wish would tour so that i could see them sugar cold is at the top of that list I've I've wanted to see them for twenty years. Yeah, I love Sugar Cult. I love every do one of their songs. They still make music. No, they really don't. They they do a couple of shows every couple of years. They do something. They'll play at a festival or yeah. something. But yeah, they don't. They, they had three three albums and a live album. I know every word. I know every word. I oh. love Sugar Cult, man. I, I I'm gonna have to listen so to their other ones because I really enjoyed that first one. And I started liking them because of the movie Van Wilder. Van Wilder bouncing off the walls again. Yeah. I, I I was like transformed or. I don't know what's the word. 
tra- uh, transferred back in time. Taken yeah, back, I feel like that's not the right aback. word. But yes, I was like, oh my God, back watching Van Wilder before I fully hated Ryan Reynolds. Okay, next. <laughs> uh, last two on the list came out on the same day, both by artists that Jess and I both like. We both talked about Kip Moore, Wild Ones, Noah Gunderson, Carrie the Ghost. Yes, we've seen both live. Kip, I've only seen Noah once. Fantastic artist, yep. great songwriter. Um, Kip, we are seeing next month. Yep. In Toledo. He's not coming to Detroit. I don't understand. The way his tours are confused me sometimes because I don't know. You told me we saw him twice for the same tour in different time periods. So I don't know when his tour starts or ends or what tour I'm going to or why he's not coming to Detroit. Did he already? And we saw him here already. He's going, or... to, he's going to Saginaw a couple weeks before okay, that. Okay. Then that was it. And we chose Toledo, I think, was the better option for us, like day-wise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and in regards to uh, Wild Ones, obviously we talked about that. We got that on vinyl, so I, I won't say much about that other than we've talked about it in the past and we love Kip Moore. As far as Noah Gunderson goes, Carry the Ghost, I can't recommend Carry the Ghost enough. It starts off with a song called Slow Dancer. It, it's it, Lyrically, this man is insane. He's yeah. so incredible at at songwriting. Um, he wrote a song on there called Blossom, which is about he him and this girl they've broken up and it's literally the most kind wishing this person well and wishing that they blossom wherever they go yeah like wishing them well like not a horrible like i hate you breakup song but like i've listened to that whole album yeah it's oh man i i love it it's great heartbreakers on there Empty from the start. Empty from the start is interesting because he has some sometimes some religious tones to his music because he grew up in the church and he's yeah, yeah. you know that's a, that's a whole thing that I could get into in another podcast. Selfish art, man. He just such a good album lyrically. This man was he was he was hitting a stride on this album and he put out like it's like fifteen songs, sixteen songs. There's no um, beating around the bush here. I have. Obviously, openly mocked album anniversaries yes. from time to time. Yes. But I will say I have enjoyed these last couple weeks because I, well, first of all, I never know what they are. He's never told me. I send her a and screenshot. In these now. last couple, in these last couple, may I, can I, can, <laughs> so, I, can, can, can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> um, in these last couple of weeks, he has sent me sort of a screenshot and been like, why don't you listen to, or recommended an album for me to listen to or something. So like, I hadn't listened to the Metallica's Black album in forever. So listening to that, I was like, that was cool. Spin Doctors and Sugar Call. And like, I'm like, these are just albums I haven't listened to or thought about in forever. And it was cool to listen to them again. And, you know, um, I still can't think of the word um, time travel back to the time when they came out and I listened to them. So yeah, I will say, yeah, now that I'm a little bit more involved in it, it's not just like random. So I'm enjoying it more. Yeah. And also it makes it hard for us to have a five minute segment. On yeah, album no anniversaries. But, but it's good. But, but it makes for what, good speaking conversation. of anniversaries, just real quick, the best movie ever made came out 36 years ago. On August 21st, and that is a beautiful screen gem classic, Dirty Dancing. Nobody puts baby in the corner. That's right. Johnny Castle won't let you do it. <laughs> Get out of there. Okay, take you to the stage. <laughs> and you were, oddly enough, just happenstance, wearing the perfect dress to be spun around on a stage. Yep. That movie is the best movie ever made in my favorite forever. Nostalgia <laughs> factor for me, obviously, it's, you know... 
it is what it is, but it, I love it. I had my Johnny Castle poster that I used to kiss with my lipstick when I would go to bed at night. <laughs> it was like a white poster. She still does that, folks. Yeah, I have it on the back of our door. Be like, Stephen, look away. I have to kiss Johnny goodnight. <laughs> um, I just love that movie. It's so great. Coming of age tale and the cat skills. You got Jerry Orbach before his Law and Order days. Like, oh yeah, that's who right. like totally looked like my grandpa, my oh. mom's dad. Oh, that's so funny. like every time I see the scene with him and her, I feel like that's my grandpa. But excellent movie, excellent soundtrack. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it again, I'm sure. But just happy anniversary, Dirty Dancing. We love years, you. <laughs> 36 years old, man. There's there's also a, a How Movies Were Made. There's an episode of that on yeah. Netflix. Highly recommend Very that. Very good. Watch that and then watch the movie. Yeah. It's good. That's what we did. Yeah. It's it's fantastic, man. The 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 lady who wrote um who wrote the story and everything. She's a big part of the documentary. Yeah. And, yeah. and they interview her a lot and talk about stuff. And, man, she... I, She's a fantastic woman. She just, yeah, no she nonsense, cool. man. Yeah. She was just like, this is what I want. This is what's happening. Stephen likes himself a strong, no nonsense woman. Absolutely. <clears throat> yep. I come from a family of them, so uh, that's I'm kind of partial to it. That's the way it goes. So speaking of movies, woo! If y'all haven't seen Barbenheimer, this is the time to hop off. Uh, yeah, we are going to spoil Barbie and Oppenheimer. We've got some notes here. If anyone caught my intro where I said, he's just Stephen, that's a yeah. reference to Barbie. Yeah. Her being like, I'm Barbie. He's just Ken. <laughs> <laughs> so we both got some notes here. We're going to try to make it uh, make it through these. Yeah. Um, so I'll let you start off. I mean, you uh Well, we saw we saw our Oppenheimer first. Yes. So, um, so I am not by any means a Christopher Nolan fan. I have never seen a Christopher Nolan film that I truly liked. So when bizarre when this um, trailer came out, I was like, "What is this? Like, hmm, I don't know about this." And then I heard it was three hours long, which is like probably one of my biggest nightmares in the world. <laughs> and so Stephen said he was going to go see it without me, yep. and I was like, "Okay, that's totally fine. You can totally go see it without me." And the more I saw trailers for it. It just intrigued me. The way it was filmed, the cinematography of it, the black and white, it just started to intrigue me. And then I started to see the controversial stuff about it, the posts about it. And what I was noticing was I was seeing a lot of people um, talk crap about it without having seen it. So yes. there was a few posts I saw where people were ripping into it based off of somebody else's review that they read without having seen the movie. So then I started going, okay, I'm starting to be a little intrigued by this. I have comments to say on what these people are saying, but I haven't seen the movie. So how can I fully comment on it? And I said to Steven, much to his shock, I think <laughs> I want to see Oppenheimer. So that was bizarre for me. Cause I, I had told her many times, I was like, I, I, I'm just going to go see this by myself because I love Christopher Nolan. I think Christopher Nolan is a brilliant director. I think his stuff, it's very heady. Um, it, it's it's rich with commentary on humanity and the, and the way he, I think, puts a lot of his personal views on how hum humanity looks. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is it, it has a ton of truth to it. Um, 
so when I saw the cast and it, that it was Christopher Nolan, I was like, I'm in. I don't know. I didn't know the story of Oppenheimer, being honest. I didn't know. It. I knew what I knew in the history books about him, you know, creating the hydrogen bomb. But like, I didn't know. I didn't even I didn't know the atomic bomb. I didn't yeah, even know that much. And it made me yeah. wonder, like, what did I even learn? And let's not even go down that rabbit hole. That's yeah. a conversation for next week. Yeah. So so for me, I I didn't know the story, but I knew the cast and the director, and I knew it was three hours and I was in. I didn't even need to see a trailer. I'm like, I'm in. Cillian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Christopher Nolan, cool. I'm in. Yeah. That, 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 that's all I need. Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a bunch of people. Josh in it. Hartnett, I hadn't seen in decades. I didn't know Josh Hartnett was in the movie I until we were in the theater. Josh Hartnett was seven feet tall. <laughs> He's huge. He. There are scenes where literally. I was watching him walk down the hallway and I was like, he couldn't, if he was good to go in that doorway, he'd have to duck a foot. They did oh. not, I hope he's just hallway walking because they didn't build this doorway enough for him. Yeah, he is, he is very tall. The, there's a contrast in the film between black and white and color. This once again is a Christopher Nolan genius I side of him it. for directing that I liked. And that is the fact that the current present for the movie timeline was in black and white anything that was in the past was in color and i found that to be interesting because the stuff being in color was cillian murphy's experiences in color yes and how everything is rich with colors and then in the present he's literally like under indictment and being not well not and not indictment but he's in a back room uh, in, in front like of a closed door panel. Yeah. It's a, not legally binding for like prison or anything, but it's just straight up BS. Yeah, it's BS, but also it's in black and white. Yeah. And I feel like that was Nolan saying, you know, there's a lot of different things happening in the past, but in the present, they're trying uh, they're trying to make Oppenheimer's choices very black and white. And yeah. it's just not that simple. And I thought that was a great contrast for color and black and white in the film. I also liked the fact that he's talking about back and forth, the nonlinear timeline. I really think for me anyway, like a three hour movie is so long for me. Yes. I think movies should be 90 minutes tops, including all credits. Now, that being said, having a nonlinear timeline kept me engaged. I never once checked the clock. I was curious. I brought granola bars for a snack. I was curious <laughs> at what time I ate my granola bar, but I did not check. But the nonlinear timeline and, and the black and white versus color, I mean, it was visually a stunning movie. The, the sound, they had pockets of silence during certain times. Then the sound would erupt. They had what looked like just visually like sparkly in the air as he's Oppenheimer's thinking about things and how to do things. Yep. I felt like you were in his brain working. And, and I will say one of the things that one of the biggest things that people complained about was saying that there was native people who were displaced where in the place where Oppenheimer took over in New Mexico. Yes, that is true. The thing about a movie is this is not a documentary. It's not even like a biopic. It's a, a, a more, but it's not a documentary. You cannot do. It's based off the Prometheus book, which yes. is about a biography of him. That's about a million pages in very small print. You cannot make a movie and cover everything in three hours. You just cannot. Yep. And it was more about Oppenheimer 
they briefly mentioned a couple things about people because in the end he's like they should give the land back to the people well the land was destroyed by then so yeah could that have been discussed more yes sure it would have given another facet to the movie but it probably would have also given it another hour i'm not saying what's right or wrong but i'm saying christopher nolan was not making a a a documentary he was making a film yes and so it's different and a lot of people talk about them glamorizing Oppenheimer I did not get that at all I did not feel Oppenheimer was glamorized at all I felt like he was shown as a flawed man he was shown as a real man who had all these theories and all this stuff and the government came to him and pressured him into making his theories into this bomb and so he did it and then everyone tried to blame him for the bomb and it's like that's not really how that works. Like, it's just like people saying, oh, I'm not responsible for selling you the gun because you went and killed somebody. Then why is Oppenheimer, he created the bomb for the government and the government used it. Yeah. It was horrible. And he's he was shown as completely flawed. That's all I'm saying. I don't think he was glamorized in any way. I think he was showed as a flawed human being, just like all of us. The the interesting things there you mentioned you mentioned the score. There's no drums in the score specifically because they the the person who did the score I, I can't pronounce his name unfortunately it's I'm gonna mess up his name. Can you look that up for me? Because I'm gonna pronounce it wrong. But he didn't do it's not Hans Zimmer because Hans Zimmer was doing the Dune uh, part one and part two soundtrack so he actually couldn't do this movie for Nolan which was interesting to me. Um, Ludwig Göransson. Yeah. So he did. He put no drums in the soundtrack because the actual explosion for for the bomb needed to have more weight to it. So he purposely had no drums in the rest of the soundtrack, which I found that intriguing, and and it worked. Yeah. Because when that explosion happens, it's um like horrifying. Every it's amazing, but it's it's amazing what they could do because Nolan doesn't use CGI. Um. So I'm not exactly sure what he did to do things because uh, he doesn't do CGI, but it was horrifying. Like Every, holy crap! Like it was like it was intense to watch the scene. So what was the hardest thing for me? The moment that they found out the bomb was dropped on Japan, I started crying in the theater, and I cried for probably like ten minutes. And like he. All of the people who worked in the town they built in New Mexico to doing all of this, all the families, everything are in bleachers and they're cheering with waving American flags and Oppenheimer has to get up there and give them a speech. And I'm just like crying because I'm like, there are no winners in war to even feel like cheering. It's like, yes, they say. Japan was close to the end, but that Japan also would have never given up. So I don't know what's what's real, what would have happened. Who knows? You can't predict the future. But they dropped the bomb. And civilian upon civilian, innocent bystanders were murdered. And to see people celebrating that as a victory is very was very hard for me as a viewer. Like, I just, it's hard for me to talk about right now because it was very hard to see. And you can see... I like the way they did it because that hit Oppenheimer as well. Yeah, because he he starts t- to see. Yes, he's giving his speech and people are cheering and all the sound like wipes out for him and he starts seeing smoke and he starts seeing people burned and he's walking over a charred body and you can see he just looks like what what happened. Yeah, and 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 some of these people's 
like cheering and whatnot turns into like crying from some people. Like he sees like some people that they're yeah. cheering so hard that they actually start crying. Like it, some people start, well, some people he sees start like throwing up. He sees skin start flaking off people. He sees like yeah. the destruction of what the bomb did. Yeah. And his man, this, this is where I say that Nolan is brilliant because if you watch his movies and you pay close attention to his movies, even when he did Batman, he did not treat Batman as which in which Batman was this uh, unfallible, yeah thing. And with Oppenheimer, he, he is extremely flawed. I did like I was just shocked to hear people say that he's being glamorized because I did. I'm like, yeah. are you? Didn't did you go in all. the movie to watch the movie or did you already have a preconceived notion of hating it? Yes. Because that's what I think was a lot of. Yes, there were things that were out. I'm sure there were things that weren't historically accurate or should have been kept in or weren't. Yeah. But that's my point of it's a movie. It's not a documentary. It, if it was a documentary, it would need to be like a week long thing it's funny that you say kept in because Cillian murphy was asked if christopher nolan had any like if there's any deleted scenes and he said christopher nolan doesn't have deleted scenes mm -hmm. he doesn't waste time i also think if Cillian murphy doesn't win an oscar oh, then i man. don't even know what is happening i'm 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 gonna say very very uh confidently confidently that if Christopher Nolan doesn't win for best director at this point, I don't know that he'll ever win a directing award because he got he got nominated for Inception, for Dark Knight, for Interstellar, for Dunkirk. Like he's been nominated so many times and never won. If he doesn't win for this movie, the the Academy is extremely flawed because he worked his ass off on this film and it looks amazing and it's a wonderful told story on on the legit flaws of humanity and the fact that as you said there are no winners in war yeah. like it, it just it is that way i think robert downey jr deserves a supporting actor oh, he nomination i think that emily blunt deserves deserves a supporting actress perhaps even uh florence Pugh as well yeah the, the florence Pugh thing is weird because who who killed her? That's because that's a conspiracy theory yes. that she was actually killed in retaliation yes. for Oppenheimer not doing something yes. that the government wanted him to do. And being a communist. Yes. And they thought he was a communist. Which well, no, she was also a communist. She was. So, yeah. And he and they yeah. had ties to one another. So she you you see in the film, I think people may have missed it, to be honest. I it's think you could easily fast. miss it. She's committing suicide and she's got her head in the water. And then you see a, a gloved black hand in her struggle for a split second. And then she's at, and I literally was like, did I just see a hand? That was the first thing I asked yeah, like you. I was like, glove. did you see a black gloved hand? Like, yep. so yep. I, we highly recommend this movie. Fantastic. So, uh, and, and it, and it moves along, like it moves along. It's yeah. not a slow paced movie no. at, at any, at any point. It moves the story along very well. Very well done. Yes. And now to the barb, barbin portion. So my question to you, did you have interest from the start? Of, in Barbie? No, yes. I didn't understand why it existed. Back when they first leaked the photos of Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie in the rollerblading stuff, <laughs> I was like, why is this even a thing? What is this for? What is it trying to do? And I did not like have any desire to see it. And 
it was it's hard not to have it be coming at you from everywhere it's like the kardashians i've never watched an episode of one of those shows but i more know more about those girls than i care to admit or care to know yeah so that's how barbie was and the every company out there was marketing something barbie based makeup clothes all kinds of stuff and I read an article by, um, I follow this newsletter for Jessica Delfino and she does a lot of like beauty, um, uh, beauty reporting and it's more about how the beauty industry is so flawed and the, the whole anti-aging thing and how that's just such a, a myth and just consumerism and all this stuff. And she's great. And she wrote an article about, Um, basically the juxtaposition of Barbie, the movie and its message versus all of the mass marketing for consumer goods and keeping up the status quo and body image and how women should look in everything. The comparison of those two and how the message of Barbie is, is supposed to be one thing, but the consumerism that it took is another and how you can't be both. Like you can't say, you know, I, you are great as you are, but also buy this wrinkle cream. Like you can't, you can't do that. It doesn't, Yeah. it doesn't hold. So I was interested in seeing the movie because just like with Oppenheimer, I was like, all right, well, I'm starting to form opinions on something I've never seen. And so I need to see it. And I think Barbie as a whole overall, setting aside everything else in the message of Barbie, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the movie and I am shocked. I wanted to see the movie to answer the, the question of why I wanted to see the movie for a simple purpose. Uh, as you, I had no interest in the beginning. The marketing was everywhere. I saw it even in stuff in which is not related to Barbie at all because I don't follow anything. I don't follow women's products or anything like that really on Instagram and stuff like that, but I follow a ton of people that put all that stuff out there Uh, as far as Barbie goes. They were putting it out there big time, so I saw it. But what got me in the theater was the fact that the GOP said that this is a movie that I shouldn't see. And I went, oh, because I I saw a quote from Stephen King which at this point now has been like a month ago, he put it up on Twitter and he said that uh, if someone is telling you not to read a book or not to see a movie, the first thing you should do is go to your library and rent the book and go find the movie Yeah, and see it and read it. And I went, oh, so the GOP tells me that I don't need to see this movie, that I shouldn't see this movie, that it shouldn't exist. And I went, well, I guess I'm going. The white patriarchy old men of this world tell me not to do something and it wasn't just the patriarchy no. there was plenty of gop women senators they're out not there real that went women after, they no. are part of the patriarchy yeah they're, they are part of the keeping problem. the patriarchy in place so they are just as much the patriarchy as death on wheels mitch mcconnell is <laughs> so, so so that's why i went so, i was yeah. like I'm in, I'm in so you're threatened by it patriarchy you were threatened by the barbie movie you guys are so freaking ridiculous that this is what you were threatened by i'll see it and i'll see it again the other the other thing is is that the people were like uh that that say uh go woke go broke this movie made over a billion dollars yes. in less than two weeks yes i think that that phrase is uh, done and over with. It's still making money. And I'm sorry. So woke is just being aware of reality? Yeah. 
which this movie... That's what being woke is in this country now at this point. It is just literally being aware of reality. And the Republican Party is gaslighting you that woke is something bad. No, it's not. It's being aware of of what's happening. Like, yeah. this movie, yes, there's... It's a satire, so to speak, on things. But it's also like it reminded me of when SNL was doing um, skits during Trump's presidential run and they literally didn't have to write anything. They just had to take the actual fact events and depict them on SNL. Greta Gerwig took actual stuff happening in this world and put it on screen. It just has a comical twist to it. Yeah, in the case of SNL, like they didn't even have to change words. They they used exact words, and it was funny. Uh, Yeah, the director... Greta, fantastic. Yeah, I ho- that girl is woman is going to have the pick of whatever she wants to do next, and I hope it's something that she wrote, and I hope that she puts it out and gets and a ton I'm of money behind it because she is awesome. Just like with Christopher Nolan, I'm not like some big Greta Gerwig fan. I did not care for Lady Bird. I watched I it, it and I was like, this was just this did not do it for me. So it's not like I'm coming at you from like Greta Gerwig's the best, Christopher Nolan's the best. No, I enjoyed these movies. I enjoyed the message of Barbie. Yep. It was great. It was real. As a woman in today's society, watching Barbie, watching her, um, watching her feet fall, like oh, Barbie, they do it in such it. a cool way. There's no food in Barbie land. There's no drink. It's like the plain plastic milk carton like you would have for your Barbie. They stand up on their tiptoes. That's what they walk on. It. What starts to happen is in Barbie is she sees like cellulite on her thigh her feet fall flat to the ground. She doesn't know what's going on. And there's a scene where she walks around to go. um, Kate McKinnon plays quote unquote weird Barbie, which is the Barbie that we've all had as kids where we cut their hair and we put makeup on them and we made them look crazy. And she plays weird Barbie. So weird Barbie is sort of like the bridge between the real world and the Barbies. And she's supposed to like help you like with stuff. Like it's like going to see like the wacky lady at the end of the block. Yeah. And so Barbie's walking up the stairs to see her and her feet have fallen and she's still wearing heels. And she just says a line like, oh, my gosh, if my feet were really like this, I'd never wear shoes like this. And it's just that kind of stuff that's just so evident in society and the way women were basically molded into what men wanted us to be, a la the patriarchy, which we're still living in today. The interesting thing for me in the beginning of the movie, when we see her standing on her tippy toes, I had a mental thought and I said, the movie will flip when her heels hit the ground. Yeah. When her heels hit the ground, this movie will be off and running. Yes. Because right now we're in this Barbie land and everything, like you said, she stands in the shower. There's no water. She goes to drink her her, her coffee in the morning. There's no coffee, which they did a funny thing later on in the movie when she's in the real world and she goes to drink coffee and it falls on her face and she goes, I'm not used to that happening. Yeah. And like there's a scene where she's with um, the creator of Barbie played by Rhea Perlman, small role, but super great. And um, she's drinking like tea that she serves yeah. her and she's drinking it all awkwardly. And Rhea Perlman looks at her and she's like, what are you laughing at me? Because I don't know how to drink tea. It's just funny because, you know, <laughs> yeah. the the Barbie land verse like there was so many people in the cast. I didn't know we're going to be in it like Rhea uh, Perlman, uh, Will Ferrell yeah, as the plays. CEO of Mattel. So the thing is like Barbie um, 
it has to leave Barbie land to go to the real world to figure out who's playing with her and giving her all these negative thoughts like who's playing with her and giving her thoughts of like depression thoughts of dying thoughts of like all of this stuff yeah because <laughs> in the beginning of the movie she's like or towards the beginning they're all like doing stuff around and she goes you guys ever think about dying and it literally like a record skip yeah like what and she's like oh no i'm just playing and then like they go back to normal and then like you can see in her eyes she's like oh boy because she's just like stereotypical (laughs) barbie which is what she is called yeah so she's like your regular barbie so she's got to leave and so the whole thing too is like women rule barbie land they're the president the supreme court everything in barbie land and ken is it's just like we introed he's just ken he's just ken like ken's job is beach no one knows what that means no one ever knew what that mean which is hilarious for it to be in there and so he his whole thing is trying to get barbie <laughs> like trying to be her boyfriend and kiss her and stuff and she's like no and so he stows away in her car as they leave barbie land so they end up going together and they get to the santa Ma- or venice beach yeah. So that's the rollerblading is the last step to get out of barbie land and into venice beach is you rollerblade and so Ken discovers the patriarchy while he's out in the world. Yeah. And brings that back to Barbie land and everything just goes amiss because patriarchy was introduced into a society. What now? That's now, crazy. Now there's a funny line that once that happens, once Ken brings back the patriarchy and he starts changing everything, um, and Barbie eventually she brings America Ferrara's character back and her daughter and they they both they all three come back to Barbie Land, which is a whole portion of the movie. Because they're the very ones good. that were playing with her yeah. and causing all the negativity. The thing is, is that once they get back, they they start to wake up the other Barbies because these Barbies don't know that they've been indoctrinated into this. Yeah, Ken brought a patriarchy spell with him, basically. Yeah, and so they don't know that. And one of the Barbies gets woken up, and this is the line she said. And as a comic book fan. I lost it. I think I was the only person in the theater that laughed hysterically because I thought it was funny. And she's like, it's like I've been in a dream where I was really invested in the Zack Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. I lost it. I was like, oh my gosh, they just made a Snyderverse joke in the middle of Barbie as another commentary on a section of, of, of... the social media world that's just absolutely lunatic. America Ferrara gives this really great speech about what it's like to be a woman and how hard it is and the contrast and everything that we have to do and shouldn't do and are supposed to do and all of this stuff. And that's what wakes up the Barbies. And so that's how they, they do that. And, you know, they, they bring that, that balance back to Barbie land. And it basically is just about like the oppression of women and the patriarchy and all of that and I think that's done really well in a fun way in like a yes. fun lighthearted way like the attention to detail of Barbie land was so cool like the outfits that she wore like they she was or somebody was throwing outfits off like the Ken top. was throwing her outfits out and the outfits would freeze in space and it would say like Barbie's you know pajama romper or like whatever it was called and like the that stuff was so cool like they um they had this amazing scene on the beach where like ken was going to quote unquote surf but the waves don't move because they don't actually have water so they're plastic type waves in the ocean (laughs) and he runs into them and so like the 
the set for like Barbie doctor, doctor ambulance comes and like opens up. Like they have all those kind of sets and like the cars and the houses and all that stuff was done like really, really cool. And Ken has a song um, (laughs) about being Ken. And there's sort of like this scene between um, I, what's the actor's name? I always say it wrong from Shang-Chi. Uh, oh, his uh, name. Uh, Shimulu. Shimulu, S- yes. Shimulu. And Ryan Gosling are like rival Kens, basically. So there's all, all the guys are Ken, except one named Alan. And all the girls are Barbie, except for like Skipper and Midge. <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah. a... It's sort of like a West Side Story situation between those two Kens and they have this huge like dance number and he's singing a song about like being Ken and like all this stuff. And it is freaking hilarious. There's uh, so the other two Kens that are involved in that is Kingsley Ben Adir. He's a guy who was just in Secret Evasion. The other one is uh, Nukuddy. Gaitwa, I can't say his name. I, I I apologize, but he's going to be the next Doctor Who. I thought that was great, but also Chris Evans' brother Scott Evans is a kin, and so is John Cena. Yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> John Cena. John Cena was hilarious. He's like a merman. Yeah, he's a merman Ken. Oh my gosh, absolutely hysterical. But the cool the cool thing about the West Side Story part of it is is that they. I mean, I mean, they played into it. Dance numbers, oh, the yeah. fighting. Um, I mean, man, it was, as a comic book fan, I, no, I didn't have Barbie. I didn't play with Barbie yeah. as a kid. But I appreciated the attention to detail with the outfits, yeah. with the set pieces, all that kind of stuff, because I had a cousin who had Barbie stuff. You know, like, and she and played was, with us stuff it all was the time. Cool so I, too. I, I liked all that. It was cool too because at the end, like, Will Ferrell being the head of Mattel, so they get an alert that Barbie and Ken are loose in the real world. And so they have to go back to like Barbie Land to try to figure out what Ken's doing and everything. In the end, even Barbie Land has a better balance between male and females, and the Kens are allowed to be a little bit more involved. And, yeah. Um, Ryan Gosling has this sh- shirt at the end that says, I'm Knuff. So like K-E-N-O-U-G-H, like I'm enough, I'm Knuff. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was great. I want to see it again. I know we're... Oh, you said you were going to buy it. I know that we're close to the end of time here. Um, yes, I'm definitely going to buy it. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was good. I like told my friends, go see it. I would definitely recommend seeing both uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. We will uh, both. We will own both. That is because uh, I will be buying Oppenheimer for sure. I've uh, never. This, I never want to go to the movies, and I wanted to see both of those. So yeah, this is uh, certainly our longest podcast, but I think yes, we had. Sorry, guys. Good, I think we had good reason for it. No need to apologize. I think we had good content, good conversation, yes. and uh, yeah. I think people know. Yeah, let us know if you've seen the movies. Let us know what you think. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, WordPress, Tumblr, our website. Email us. All of that jazz. Um, Thanks for listening. Yes. Like, subscribe, and share. Leave yes. a comment. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys next week. And uh, I believe that's all we can say. As always, I'm Jessica. He's just Steven. Bye, y'all. 